Hello, welcome Kina Armitage to Broadway's Backbone. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So uh, we're sitting here in lovely Southern California. Beautiful here and it's snowing in New York. Oh, uh, I know. It's I didn't know Crazy. That. <laughs> when I left, there was snow on the ground at least. You bet you don't miss that. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> You're here for many reasons. One, you have a new career and a new life that I would love to talk about. But before that, we'll talk about your New York and Broadway career. Okay. So your credits include dancer and singer in the Radio City Music Hall Christmas Spectacular. And on Broadway, you did Jesus Christ Superstar, On the Town, and Aida. So where are you from and how did you get started? I am from upstate New York, Albany. Albany. Yes. And I got started because I went to Howard University and my major was, I think it was fashion merchandising, something like that. And I just always knew I wanted to perform and I figured if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? Am I right. going to do it on 50? So I decided after I graduated that I would just take a chance and move to New York and the rest is history. Well, so if your degree was in like fashion merchandising, was it high, high school or a junior high that you sang and danced and act? Where'd you get that type of training? I'm a dancer by trade. Okay. So I sort of fell into musical theater. I am a modern trained dancer. Oh. Uh, I studied at Alvin Ailey. Yeah. So and are your feet callous? Do you dance without your shoes on? Yes. I, I, tape and all kinds of stuff. Oh, I hated that <laughs> when we had to take off our shoes for for modern dance. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. And there was a time there that was very Martha Graham and everything like that, and everything was really emotional. Was that, I guess that was the 80s, I'm assuming, or might be around the same age? We're around the same age. Okay. I'm going to leave it like that. Yeah. Did you love that? I loved it. And at one point, I think I was dancing for four modern companies at once. We did a bunch of rehearsals, not a lot of performances. And then I ran into a couple of friends of mine who were doing musicals and their life just seemed so much easier. And I was just like, how much do you get paid? And so I just said, well, let me just try and see what happens. And I think the first thing I did was I got, I landed the national tour of Dream Girls with oh. Tony Stevens. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I love Tony Stevens. That's how I got my equity card, actually. Oh, that's yeah. unbelievable. Such a great man. In fact, I remember one day saying to him, are you really this nice? Because I can't believe it. Yeah. And he was like, I'm really this nice. I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and how long did you tour with the show? We were on tour for a year. You were on tour for a mm -hmm. year. And then uh, after that, did that lead you back to Broadway? So right after that, I think I booked Radio City and then I booked On the Town. And then I think I went back to Radio City and then Jesus Christ Superstar, Aida. Then I left the Broadway company and went on tour with Aida. So how was it being in the Radio City music show? Because I... I love it. The dancer-singer track was so, so cool, and they got to really dance really hard. But then you also had to wear tiger heads or <laughs> panda heads as well. Yes. So, you I mean, you get to live your dreams and then uh, be embarrassed for your dreams at the same time. How was that for you? It was probably my favorite thing ever really? that I've done as a performer. It was just, so, the stage is magical. Yes. Being able to perform for 6,000 people who love watching the show, is is just amazing. My cast was the first cast to do the Santa Claus number. Oh. So Sean Palmer and I, we met because our butts were touching. <laughs> <laughs> and we always had that bond ever since. And it just was a great, a great show, great fun. I was able to really make a lot of money. It was like the first time I made a lot of money and buy my family Christmas gifts. And yes. it was really fun to do that. And I was never skinnier. So like, you know, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Like six or seven shows a day. Yeah, it was a great time. On the Town was your Broadway debut. Yes. 
And from people I know and people I've talked to, it wasn't the happiest experience. But yet it was also your Broadway debut. How did you deal with the dichotomy of really successful and then really unfortunate? Uh, so I'm going to be honest because that's all I know how to do. Yeah. I was, I was not the choreographer's choice. Mm. And he did not like me. There was one other girl in the cast in the ensemble who he didn't like. And he just kind of made our, we allowed ourselves to be made miserable. I'll mm. put it that way. And it was really challenging because I really begged and pleaded and prayed for this show and I got it. And it was just misery in the beginning. But what I can say is, this cast was really tight. We all bonded together because we sort of had to. Yeah. And then George came in and sort of uh, recognized that we were struggling and made some changes with the choreographer, brought a different person in. And we all kind of rallied together. And I remember one day going up to somebody, I don't know if it was a company manager or George or I don't know, somebody, but I said, I'm thinking about buying some furniture. Is it okay? How's the show doing? Should I save my money or should I buy my furniture? And I was told, we're fine, go buy the furniture. So I went and bought really awesome, beautiful, very expensive furniture. And I think two weeks later, we got our closing notice. Oh. And I remember standing there on stage with like one tear trickling down my face saying, just bought furniture <laughs> <laughs> you said something that really caught my ear that probably reflects on what your current vocation is about allowing yourself to be treated poorly because that's such a, a thing that definitely happens but i think i know myself i feel like sometimes i don't have a choice mm -hmm. why did you choose to say that because i think that's so fascinating and important to hear well, I think when you take responsibility for your life, for the good stuff and for the bad stuff, is when you can transform your life and make it whatever it is that you want it to be. When you put the blame on somebody else or certain circumstances and give away your power, then you don't have the power to make changes in your life. That's great. Sometimes because I know I feel powerless often. And sometimes there's strength in admitting that you're powerless, but also figuring out what to do with that is uh, where I struggle in this business because I feel like I don't have the power. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I don't feel like our society necessarily supports the fact that we are very powerful just by the mere fact that we're humans. And it allows, it takes your power away when you feel like somebody else has control over your career, your, your livelihood, the amount of money that you can make. When you take that back, and you start to think about what is it that I really want? What am I here to do? Because we're all here to do something unique and special and make our mark. And when you start to think about life from that perspective, then you start to start to see shifts happen. I'm on a mission to get that word out to all performers. Well, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's amazing. So with uh, Aida, you stayed with it on Broadway and then you toured it for a while. Yes. How was that experience working with Wayne Salento? And then you all, it was a big chunk of your life and also where you met your husband. Yes. It was great. It was probably, aside from working at Radio City, it was like the first opportunity that I had as a performer where I knew the show was really successful, it was going to run, I could just take a deep breath and just relax and allow myself to just enjoy the ride for a little bit. The creative team, Tom Schumacher, all of their producers, Marshall Purdy, Liz Cohen, I can go on and on and on. They were so, so supportive. And everyone had a really great sense of pride. It was great to work with Heather and Adam and Sherry. They were such fearless, awesome leaders. They set such a great example for the show, and we all rose to live up to that. And it was the show is beautiful, the music is beautiful, yes. and it was just a great experience. 
Oh, I, I yeah. love that. I mean, I love the show. Thank you. So the main reason I wanted to interview today is one, because you're an amazing person. There's two things that stuck out. One, Sean Palmer, uh, who's a good friend of both of ours, said, you need to interview her because she just inspired me and helped me through a dark time that I couldn't have done without her. And then so when I reached out to you, you just sent me like a little blurb about yourself. You said you wanted to eradicate the term starving artist. Yes. So right there and then, I was like, I could do a whole podcast on on that alone. Yes. So those two things, I was like, done. <laughs> and so I'm so excited you're here. And so you've transitioned from performing, even though you've had a great performing career. Now you live in Los Angeles, and you are a life coach. Yeah, a success coach. A success coach. Oh, that's more even fancy. Better. It's more fancy <laughs> and more specific. Yes. Because it's goal-oriented, as I want success. Yes. So how was that transition of leaving this biz that can be all-encompassing for you to focus on being a sex coach? So it didn't happen easily. It didn't happen overnight. <laughs> when I stopped performing, it kind of happened half by happenstance, actually, because I had worked pretty consistently. And when I got into the business, I was this young dancer and my body was starting to get tired and I wanted to do more, but I just didn't really know where to go, what to do. I didn't really have my own internal structures in place to take my, my career to the next level. I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't know that I could ask for help. And so I just sort of was lost for a while, which I feel like a lot of performers in their 30s, mid to, mid to late 30s, sort of get to that place, like, what am I doing with my life? Yes. Right? And so luckily for me, I had a wedding to plan. And <laughs> luckily for me, we had babies pretty much back to back, so we have two kids. And we did, I did that for a while. I was a stay-at-home mom. And then we took a chance. We packed up our Honda Pilot and drove to Austin, Texas, and we lived there for six years. My husband and I ran a nonprofit theater and performing arts academy. And then I taught at, at Texas State in the musical theater program and some other things here and there, choreographed musicals, direct musicals. And then my husband, Robbie, got a job of a lifetime. He's a casting director for Disney. So oh. that's how we ended up here. Nice. And just through this whole journey, I just kept seeing generation after generation of people who are so, so talented, just lost. And in my own journey of finding joy and happiness and abundance, I thought I could have used somebody like me when I was performing. Uh, I agree. I can <laughs> yeah. use someone like you every day <laughs> like, lately. Because there is something also coming with age. You don't care what your resume says anymore because you start to feel old and worthless and unattractive. Retooling how you think isn't something that you can do alone. Right. It's sometimes you, it's, there's a saying in Landmark, um, which is, you don't know that you don't know it. Mm. And so sometimes having somebody with an objective eye can help uncover some of those limiting beliefs or, or blocks to help you move forward in your life towards your dreams and towards your goals and your desires. So was there something that made you decide this is what I want to do? Or how did you say, this is it? So when I retired, we were broke. And I was just like, how does this happen? Yeah. How do you spend all this, all this time performing, training, working your butt off for years and years and years? And you get to this place where most of my friends who are not in show business are like setting themselves up for retirement and looking at which island they're going to retire. And I was yeah. just like, I don't know what to do. So I went on a personal journey for myself to figure out what matters to me. How can I do what matters to me and not kill myself 
and make some money in the process. And in the process, I learned so much about myself. And I also learned that we live in an ever abundant universe. Mm. There's more than enough for all of us. There's more than enough jobs. There's more than enough money. There's more than there's just more than enough. But we're not wired to believe that. No. No, not at all. I even read The Secret and loved it, and then afterwards I was like, yeah, do I really believe that? Do I really believe I can bring that goodness to myself? It's hard. It is hard. It's hard. It's a practice. Yes. It's definitely a practice. So I took it upon myself to create a practice for myself. And then I started to see the shifts happen in my own life, in my life, in the life of my husband, in the life of the people who are practicing with me. And so I thought, you know, there's such a scarcity mentality in the performing arts. Imagine if even a small portion of performers felt like that. Imagine if we felt like we're all here for a calling, our calling is to perform, our calling is to be on stage, and we are able to support ourselves in our lifestyles. That makes us feel really supported so that we can always stay creative, so that we can always feel like we're contributing to the world and living out our life's purpose. Imagine that. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. Well, I, I think it is lovely. I think it is lovely. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to find out more about it. Okay. One of the words that I hate about show business is the word business because mm -hmm. I forget that it's a business. Mm -hmm. And I read when I was researching you, you said that you help people with the, the business side. How do you do that? I don't want to have to feel like my talent and my craft is like, oh, it's a business. But it is. But it is. It's more of a business than anything else. And I feel like that's one of the traps that young performers fall into is that they've got all this training, like amazing training, but they don't know how to navigate the business, which it is. Yes. And so one of the things that I do is I've, I sort of look at a performing career in like four different phases or stages. The fourth stage is like maybe celebrity. Mm. Right. And the third stage is you're a working actor, you're working constantly, you have a lot of creative freedom where you can create your own work, where you're really inspired by the work that you're doing as being a cast member, and it supports your lifestyle. The second phase is somewhere in between your booking work, but you're still, you know, still trying to figure out your, your path. And the first stage is like a train, you're still training. Mm. You, you know this is what you want to do. You know, this is where you want to head. You're taking classes, doing a lot of free gigs. You're, you know, doing things like that. Uh, student films, blah, 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 blah. I find that sometimes where actors or performers get into trouble is they want to be stage four, but really they're stage one. Mm. And are they thinking about and stage so they're, four they're instead jump, of stage one? They're jumping oh, the stages, yeah, yeah. right? And so, like, if, you're, if you want to be a celebrity, so who do you need to become? to be a celebrity. What do you need to do? What kind of classes do you need to take? What kind of headshots do you need to have? What about your weight? Do you need to go to the gym? I mean, let's just be honest. This is our business, right? It's true. There are all kinds of things that you have to take into consideration to get yourself from stage one to stage four. And I feel like where people bump their heads is by jumping stages. And so what I do as a success coach is I look at what do you want? What kind of career do you want? Like if you can have anything, if everything were free, what would it be? Okay, so you want to do this. Great. How are we going to get there? What do you need to do? Who do you need to become to get yourself there? Mm. And then so we work backwards and we each week have tangible, actionable plans that get you from here to there. Now, my coaching program is three months, so we're not going to solve the world in three months. No. But we do have things like ultimate goals at the end of the three months I want to see these things happen and then we work towards it 
And I like to say I put my foot up people's ass and keep them accountable. Well, having <laughs> someone that you're accountable for, that was the word yeah. as you're talking that was going through my head. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Because the answers are within you. I can't tell you what your career is. You have to decide for yourself what matters to you the most. And so when you get really clear, the clutter is, is pushed away and you have a solid plan, like this is what my heart's desire is, then that's when I come in and say, okay, let's figure out how we're going to get you there. That's what we do. Uh, well, one of the ways that's so important now is social media and media presence, your brand, I hate mm -hmm. that word, but that's a necessary tool. Is that something that you also have to discuss with people? Absolutely. I mean, you can't refute the fact that social media is here and yeah. never going away as, yeah. far as, I, as far as we know, right? And so it's trying to figure out what kind of presence feels good for you, mm. right? So it's not about forcing yourself onto the world in a way that doesn't feel authentic because then you're not going to want to do it. And then, it, and then the audience feels that. For some reason, mm. we feel like, oh, I don't know why that makes me feel icky, but I feel icky. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I unfollow people that make me feel un yeah. icky. So it's about getting clear on, again, I go back to this word over and over again, desires. And then coming together and working on, okay, as far as social media is concerned, based on your desires, what platform do you want to use? And how many times do you want to post? Can't be all about you singing or you reciting a monologue or you <laughs> sitting in an audition room holding up your sides. It can't just be about that because right. nobody wants to see that. No. So it's about creating a picture of this whole person who has this really awesome, interesting life and making sure that people who have similar interests find you. I noticed that you have a different program set up for women in the industry as men in the industry because they, their careers are very different. Yeah. How and why you have a special program dedicated to women? I think it's awesome. Thanks. So, well, my coaching is one-on-one. -on -one, so I tailor all of my coaching packages for the client. It's really client-led. Hmm. And so when I deal with women, the thing, the biggest thing that I noticed is that women, we just don't give ourselves permission. Mm. We're waiting for somebody, for something to say, yes, it's okay, go ahead and do it. Where men don't necessarily need that. It's been my experience yeah. in a way. And so working with women about women's empowerment, self-love, self-care, there is a difference between a feminine energy and a masculine energy and being okay with having a mixture of both and owning that because when women tap into their feminine energy is when you tap into your power. That's when you tap into the magic of what it is to be a woman. Mm. And so we, we don't give ourselves enough credit. And so I like to work with women for that particular reason. What? No, that's a good reason. Yeah. And I think we tend to compare ourselves to other people, whether it's uh, body image, shape, career, money. And I know in many ways that gives us a fire under our ass to compare, but also it's very destructive. Yeah. How do you, I mean, is it even possible to, Absolutely. to not compare yourself to others? It Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, where do I sign up? Okay. <laughs> so here's what I think. Okay. Okay. So I believe going back to what I said earlier is that we are all here to do something special that only you can do. And it's your job to figure out what that is. And if you're on that quest, if you're on that journey to discover what it is that you're here to do, then you don't have time to be worried about what other people are doing mm. because nobody else can do you. Right. So when you're fo solely focused on how can I contribute to the world positively, how, what is the best expression of me in this world, my unique expression, it doesn't matter what other people are doing. They should be doing the same thing anyway. 
No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Doesn't matter if someone else is doing something. I'm, I, I'm probably not right for it. Yeah. But because I didn't get it or I didn't even get an audition for it, I feel like I'm worthless. Right. So, I think my belief is that what's yours is yours. Period. Yeah. What's yours is yours. And so one of the things that I like to work on with my clients is detaching from the outcome. For instance. You know you have an upcoming audition. You're gonna do your absolute best. You're gonna you're gonna feel good. You're gonna prepare. You're gonna take class. You're gonna do all the things you need to do to be the very best version of you. That's all you can do, right? And so you're gonna go in there knowing I'm gonna give it my all. I'm gonna leave it in the room. I'm gonna be me 100%. And if they want me, then I will have the job. And if they don't want me, then I don't take it personally. Because what's mine is mine. Yeah. And so I think this isn't always the easiest thing to do. No. But detaching from the outcome is where you find peace. That's the piece I'm definitely looking for. Yeah. And musical theater is that mostly your focus? Yes. Because musical theater is well, all over the world. So you probably have them, but you should have clients all over the world. Yes. Is it Skype? Is it telephone? Is it FaceTime? Is it all of the above? What is your media? It's pretty much all of the above again it's client-led so whatever the client wants i like skype it's, it's more intimate yeah um or zoom which is very similar because i like to record the calls but you know some some clients just want to talk on the phone and that works for me we always start the call with an affirmation and then we get really clear about what we're working on to, today to make sure that um, we stay present by the end of the call we have some actionable plans that each client does that they're supposed to do that feels good to them it feels like a challenge but it also feels like yes this is my truth and they do it or they don't yeah it's up to them i know a lot of people in show business i've been there i'm not there normally but can be very jaded and very bitter and some of this work uh, can sound very spiritual and ooga booga how do you work past people that are going to poo poo the the, the affirmation. Also, affirmations don't feel very masculine. Right. You know I mean, I feel stupid. And then when I do them, I feel fine. Mm -hmm. So it's how, how do you get past someone that's going to be like, oh, that's too gooey for me. Then they're probably not a client of mine. Oh, <laughs> done. You know, you know, it's right. Because if they're not willing to do it, yeah. if they're not willing to, like, because there, there's something uncomfortable about looking in your mirror yeah. and saying, you can do it. Today's the day of your world. So my clients are motivated. They're ready to transform their lives. They know that they deserve more. They know they're here to do something more. They believe in the power of the universe. So they may not necessarily be able to articulate that, but just intrinsically, that's how they are. That's, how, that's what they feel. And so those are the people that I love to work with. If you don't necessarily believe in that woo-woo stuff, then I may not be the right person for you. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You used the word fulfilled life. You wanted to share that with others. Is that what brought you into this business is kind of giving back? Absolutely, I'm in, I'm in total service to the performing arts. I work in service to the performing arts. That's my calling. I honestly believe that all that I've done all the on-stage performances that I've done, choreographing, directing, teaching, all of it has led me to this moment right here. Oh, that's... So I'm just here as a vessel, honestly. That's, well, that's, that's great. Thank you. You met your husband working on Broadway. Yes. And you both had great Broadway careers. You both transitioned out of that. How was that as a team when both of you are also leaving the business and starting something new? Was that... A struggle because you were each other's emotional support. Well, the good thing about Robbie and me is that we've always worked together. Mm. We've worked together more than we haven't. 
which is odd yeah. um, for a married couple. But there were moments when it was really challenging. I remember he was leaving, performing, and becoming a stage manager, and we had an, a newborn. Uh. And he moved along pretty quickly in his career as a stage manager, but there was a moment where it was just like, okay, okay, how's this gonna go? But we, are, we, we have been through enough to know that we're always gonna be okay. Yeah. yeah. I think one of my, like if I dealt with this issue for me, me personally, is that I completely put my value as a person on my career. So if I'm not working, I'm not valuable. Right. And lately I've gotten gotten better at it, realizing that my creativity doesn't have to be monetary, even though it, it should be. One of the things I loved is that your first session is free, is it 20 minutes or 30 minutes? 30. 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. If I were to call you and say, I want my first 30 minute session with you, this is, I've done seven Broadway shows and now I feel like I'm never going to work again and I don't know where to begin. How would you decide where you were going to go with me? So we're not going to solve all your problems in 30 minutes. Right. I, I want to manage <laughs> expectations. Three 30 minutes on, I'm not going to be fixed. <laughs> but what I do is get really clear on what do you want to work on for 30 minutes? What's the one thing that you'd like to tackle for 30 minutes? And let's just dig deep. But if you were going to work with me for 90 days, which is one of my packages, I have a pretty intense orientation materials that I pass out to all of my clients and ask you questions that you probably, probably have never heard before, never thought about, let alone written about, let alone let somebody else read. And it starts the transformation process there, questions about how you view money, how's your family view money, what's your relationship, if what's your relationship with time? If time were a person, how would you describe that person? Mm. What's the story with your family when it comes to money? Uh, all, all kinds of things. Tell me about your performing career. So it's like 20 pages of, of stuff like oh, that, okay. deep dive, that I get even before we get on Skype together. Wow. And so I have a pretty good idea of what you're struggling with and what you need help with. And so the first call, we get really clear on the two or three main goals that you want to tackle. And then each week we just chip away at that. Oh, no, that's fascinating. Yeah. So another thing that I also struggle with is the whole self-promotion thing. Because mm -hmm. even now people are like, now you got to promote your podcast or your this and your that. And I just don't like doing that. But it's, it's necessary. So I would ask you why you're doing the podcast. Hmm. What's the biggest purpose, your bigger reason for doing the podcast? And you would say, I want to help people. I want to give it to the to the little 12 year old version of Brad that wants to know what it's like going to be on Broadway. But the real the honesty of it, the right. honesty of, you know what, there's going to be times you're cast and the choreographer doesn't like you and he's going to be mean to you. Yeah. Those stories have to be told just yeah. as much as the hashtag grateful stories. Right. So that's called a calling. Mm. Right. And so it's almost like you have a cosmic responsibility to be the best podcast you can be. And if you take the spotlight off of you, Brad, who is the host of the podcast, and turn it on to the people who are dying to hear these stories, it comes less about you and more about being in service, and then giving back to the people who listen to you episode after episode, then it becomes easier to do because it's not about you. Mm. It's about the people who are waiting for the new episode. All right, well, I'm going to put you on the spot then and ask you to put your money where your mouth is. Okay. I want you to self-promote yourself 
right now. Because okay. uh, uh, I mean, I looked at your information. Like, if I wanted to contact you, and what are your packages? And we don't have to talk about the cost, but just what what it actually is that you do and provide, so that I can know. And t tell me, like, I didn't research you. Okay. <laughs> so, if you wanted to get in touch with me, the very best way to get in touch with me is to email me personally, and that's Kina at the Project Thrive Academy. So K E E N A H at the Project Thrive Academy.com. My website is Kena.com. That's K-E-E-N-A-H.com. I offer at the moment I offer two separate packages. The first one is a 90-minute Skype intensive. So let's say you want you want like laser focus on one specific area. Mm. That's a one-off thing where you just, you know, maybe you want to work on your wardrobe or whatever. I mean, there's so many, you want to like tweak your, your photos or your resume, or you just have like one stumbling block that you just can't get past. So that's a, a 90 minute Skype intensive. Then I have the 90 day coaching package, which is we meet once a week for 60 minutes each session. So 12 sessions all together. And we have like three, two to three main goals that we want to achieve at the end. And then each week we work towards those goals. And along the way, if we come against any kind of limiting beliefs, any kind of scarcity mentality, any kind of blocks, anything that keeps you moving forward, then we address them so that mm. you can continue moving forward. So it's both internal work and external work. It made me think if like one of the things I wanted to work on is is fear, mm -hmm. and I think that there's also, especially now in the uh, not only in show business, but in this country and in communities that fear is is getting in in a lot of our ways. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you feel like you help people with a lot? Is just fear? You, well, yeah, <laughs> fear doesn't go away. Yeah, you know, if somebody's looking for a moment where I don't have any more fear, that's never going to happen. What do you do in the face of fear? Well, first thing is, is it real? Mm. Like, is it truly? Are you really in danger right now? And if the answer is yes, then okay, let's figure out what to do so you're not in danger anymore. But if the answer is just like something going on inside, then let's just break it down let's get real about it what's really going on let's keep digging and digging and digging or or, or not and mm. then some people are just stuck yeah. and that's okay too you know you meet with, with resistance and sometimes you're just there until you're not but the other thing i would say is i don't watch the news mm. i don't subscribe to any of that fear mongering because it, what does it do? It just creates more fear. Yeah. And that's one of the universal laws, a law of attraction. So if I don't want fear in my life, then I'm certainly not going to put it in my, like knowingly put it in my life at all. When Trump won, uh, of course, everybody was devastated. But then I thought, what, what can I do? So instead of like being angry and pissed and just talking about it and just being angry about it and posting about it, what can I do? Yeah. What can I do? What, how can I empower myself and how can I empower others? to make a real difference in our lives. And this is an opportunity for us as people to decide that we don't have to stand for the status quo, right? And yeah. so be active, be empowered, instead of letting fear get the best of you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that is, would be a success. Yes. Being that finding success in others was your, is your calling. I have to ask you though, do you miss your first calling of performing? I don't. Really? I don't. I know it sounds crazy. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I love what I do. I feel like I've had a great career. 
yeah, sure, I could have done another Broadway show or two. Yeah. I've done that, and I had a great time, and I've taught, and I've, I've directed, and I've choreographed, and so I feel like I'm always very creative, and this is so, this work that I do now is so inspiring. Yeah. It's such awesome work to be able to help other performers get to manifest their dreams. Yeah. Yes, I said manifest. No, no, I love manifest. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a great word. That's a great word. Actually, I, I was just talking with my friend Juliet about this. How has motherhood changed you? Because it's, it's very, I love when women talk about how motherhood's changed them. It's changed everything about me. Mm. I'm much Did that more have anything to do with you changing career to being selfless and helping others? Because you do that as a mom, obviously. I do that as a mom, but I think what helped me is my son is dyslexic and oh. he's ADHD, and so he's just different. Mm. Like he thinks differently. School is challenging for him, and then helping him find his way made me recognize that we all are different, right? We all have something special, and he's he's different, and sometimes it's misunderstood. And so, as a parent, I've been I've had to help guide him so that he can find his non-traditional path mm. to happiness. One of the things that really resonates with him is a sense of personal freedom, which I feel like we all want. And having that experience of guiding him so that at 11 and a half, he understands what his own personal freedom feels like, allows me to coach other people who think differently than I do, who, who view the world differently than I do, who may be misunderstood and help them find their path to their own personal freedom. Hmm. And I see that a lot with students when I teach and when I choreograph. I just, my son is like a gift that keeps on giving because, you know, his life hasn't been easy. Yeah. So I use that a lot. No, oh, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. Couldn't have asked for a better question. Answer, I mean. I couldn't ask for a better answer. I'm going to have to edit that. This is so amazing. I Thank can't decide you. whether to call this episode Eradicating Starving Artist or Detaching from the Outcome. It's like, not that I'm going to name your episode, but Detaching from the Outcome is what I'm taking away from this. Mm. If I can take that one jewel from you, my life will already get better. So I can't imagine what I, what I could get from you for three months would be amazing. If you could pick career or life highlights, or one of each. You can pick a career highlight and a life highlight. Uh, your first life and your second life. I can't wait to your third and fourth and fifth. I know. One of the things that comes to my mind is I was doing the Christmas show at Radio City and we we're getting ready to go on for Carol of the Bells. And my dance partner, Michael Serapelia, I think it was, he stepped on the back of my shoe accidentally as we were getting ready to go on in the lift. And I couldn't get my shoe on in time. I had this big fan kick. And the shoe popped up into the air and flew across the stage, sold out house, 6,000 people, cracking up. I love that. <laughs> oh my God, Michael Serpilia is a buddy of mine. He did Idea with you. Yep. We, I performed Radio City once and it was for the Tonys and it was so fast that I didn't get to yeah, enjoy it. It's so spectacular. <sighs> but the stage is steel, so it will jack your body it up. It will jack up your body. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. So if you could pick a, a highlight from your success coaching life, what would it be? Well, of course, working with my amazing clients. Mm. They are so inspiring. The work that they do, the commitment to their self, to themselves, to their excellence, to their craft is inspiring. And so I'm humbled that I'm on the journey with them. And then as, as far as a coach with my own personal development, I've enrolled in a really rigorous, very rigorous 12-month coaching certification program with other 
coaches women around the world. So I'm currently doing that and it is kicking my butt. Mm. But the relationships that I've made, the knowledge that I've gained, the just uh, it's just been life-changing. Oh, I think that's amazing. Yeah. And I was about to end it, but now I have one more question. Sure. There is something about deciding it as a performer when you have to say no to certain things that you're not getting paid for. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, oh, I'll do this thing because I'm meeting this certain person and it's a good benefit. There is something of knowing you have to stop doing things that might improve your career mm -hmm. and do things that are going to pay your bills. Right. I'm going to say it's probably not the most popular answer, but I feel like it comes down to a self-confidence issue. Mm. I think that when you really tap into your true worth, and know what it is, what value you are providing to so many people, then you're in a position to charge what you're worth or to put yourself in a position to get sponsors or to create more joint venture opportunities. And so I think doing the personal development work, turning within, mm. really getting super clear on who you are and what, what you're here to do and owning it despite what everybody else says and despite what the whole world says that you are so clear on who you are that it doesn't matter, that you're detached from all of that, is when the money starts to flow because there is no lack of money. If the money is not flowing, it's because there's a, there's a block there. Let's mm, get rid of that block. Yes. Get rid of that block. You have to make that decision for yourself. Yeah. You know. But if I can make two suggestions. I read every single day The Science of Getting Rich ah. and Think and Grow Rich. Um, there was books were written well before we were born, if you can believe it. <laughs> <laughs> they are the staples, and you read them again and again and again and again and again. You make them part of your morning ritual so that you you start to transform the, your relationship with wealth and abundance and your, your values and your self-worth, and that's when... The money starts to flow honestly i know it sounds so woo woo but those are the two books that i would recommend if you don't do anything else from this podcast people get those two books yeah well i can definitely i'm a woo, one woo person so <laughs> i'm not woo woo but i'm also not negative right. so I'm, i enjoyed this i'm so glad that uh, you agreed to do this. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. And I love the fact that I'm already, I already feel more enlightened. And, awesome. You know, I have a, an outcome that's in my head right now that I'm gonna release it. Yes, there you go. Maybe my agent will call. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I haven't released it. Lies. <laughs> if I could end this podcast with one song. Oh gosh, I life. don't know. Well, I thought about the girl from Impanima because I love that song. That's, it just makes me feel easy and breezy and beautiful. And that's what it is. Okay, that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, it's that simple. <laughs> Thank you. And there's nothing simple about success, but there's simple simpleness in Girl from Ipanema. Yes. So you're complicated. I'm a woman. You're <laughs> that's what we are. <laughs> we flow. We flow. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Tall and thin and young and lovely, the girl from Ipanema goes walking and when she passes, each one she passes goes
Thank mm-hmm. you. 